Welcome to Where's the Lamb Sauce, a podcast that puts Gordon Ramsay on the plinth of a life drawing session and proceeds to scrawl a very amateurish and quite meaningless impression of him, all in the name of art, whatever that means. I'm Dom Coker. <laughs> and I'm Sam Lee. How you doing, Sam? You alright? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing alright. We are 13 weeks in now. A lot has changed in that time. I've just come from a busy park in uh, in northeast London where I was around multiple people for the first time in well about 13 weeks I suppose and I was a bit nervous about it at first but um, I, th- <laughs> I kind of got through it I guess time will tell if it's uh, had any physical consequences on me. How did they find being around someone who could only speak in Gordon Ramsay metaphors? No I felt like I put on a good show talking about things other than Gordon but I, I-, I would be lying if I said I wasn't Desperate to get home and do this. <laughs> well, that's reassuring. <laughs> we need to talk about your sourdough. The sourdough saga. Again, our readers probably don't want to hear any more about this, but I do. Can you please give us a conclusion, a satisfactory conclusion to the sourdough saga? What have you done with it? What were the results like? Reveal all. Well, I'm pleased to say I can give you a very satisfactory conclusion. I baked a loaf of bread using the sourdough starter the other day and it was a huge success and I feel like I've gone full circle now from when we first spoke about it maybe two weeks ago which <laughs> is is slightly ridiculous <laughs> this is insane. Um, when I was feeling insane. a little bit disillusioned and to be honest slightly frustrated about the whole process I didn't really know um, what I was doing I felt slightly rudderless uh, through to now when I'm one <laughs> very, very successful loaf of bread up. I'm completely obsessed. I'm planning my next moves already. I'm thinking of getting one of those bikes with the big trailer on the front and cycling around London delivering hundreds of loaves to people. It's brilliant. Well, I, I'm not sure you'd fit hundreds of loaves on one of those baskets of your bike, to be honest. Sorry, sorry to burst that bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realise I was coming on Dragon's Den. <laughs> Anyway, resounding success, I'm really pleased Good. to say. So um, expect more. Great. Um, I'd like to say um, more updates on this podcast. I think that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm acutely aware that it, that it, that may be enough for anyone, even for me. Yeah, we've always specified that this is a podcast about Gordon Ramsay and not about food. So I think we don't want to go too much further into Paul Hollywood territory. Yeah, we're, we're, mis- we're, we're misrepresenting our intentions, aren't we, really? Mm. I actually got some, we haven't really talked about listener feedback for a while, but I I received some recently. We should be clear with the listeners that, that we, we are still getting loads of feedback, probably more than we can get through. We don't really, we don't get to the bottom of the mailbag, do we, by the time the next pod rolls around. But just none of it's worthy of reading out it's all rubbish I mean it's all just like you know this is my favorite pod you guys are the best thing ever this is you know the highlight of my week I love you guys so much just we don't we don't want to read that stuff out yeah I mean there's just not enough hours in the day to comb through all of that really Uh, I mean there's not enough hours in the day for my PA to do that um so uh yeah a lot of that just uh gets you know just gets automatically put in the spam folder but i did get something through this week which i thought was worth repeating uh, and that came from a friend of mine uh beatrice and she is from the netherlands originally 
uh, actually, I hadn't spoken to her in a while, and she said to me, are, are you still doing your podcast? I said, yes. And uh, she said, what is it about? It's <laughs> like, okay. It's like, okay, good start. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I said, well, it's about Gordon Ramsay. I thought that you're asking, the fact that you're asking about this means you're aware of the podcast. And if you're aware of the podcast, how do you not know it's about Gordon Ramsay? She said, oh, I get it. Do you want to be him? I was like, well, I've never really, it's a very reductive way of looking at our podcast. Is that, is there any truth to that? <laughs> it spooked me a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a a bit of a strange take on it. I mean, there's plenty of historical podcasts about all kinds of awful figures, true crime podcasts and things like this. Is she implying that everybody who presents one of those podcasts wants to be, you know, a famous serial killer or a genocidal dictator or something like that? Yeah. Do you apply that rule to every every documentary you watch, every biography that's written? For the record, the answer obviously is yes. Yeah, it is, especially when you... But that's not the point. No, it's not the point. Um, But yeah, I I certainly wouldn't mind a taste of Gordon's life. And that is something we caught a glimpse of in the launch of our content series, Gordon in or on things. Have I got that the right way around, Sam? That's absolutely right, yeah. Good. And number number one of that content series was Gordon on a on a luxury yacht. Yacht? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is staying in. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking that out. <laughs> okay, you can you can leave that one in. Yeah, Gordon on a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we noticed, didn't we, um, that Gordon likes to put himself in or on things. <laughs> So with our new, um, what would you call it, a, a content series, is that what you just called it? W- which we're naming um, hashtag Gordon in or on things. <laughs> yeah, which we didn't really announce very well on our um, bloated Instagram page. But I just wanted to explain the context around that a little more. We've, we felt like the more content from Gordon we absorbed, the more we saw him in or on things. Yeah. I felt like we we needed to document this in a kind of systematic way. Yeah. So stay tuned on the Instagram at Pod for more of those over the coming weeks. Absolutely. There is no end to it. And we're taking submissions as well. So if you have any any suggestions of of what could be next in that in that series where, you know, we're open to that. So we're already on Planet Gordon, I suppose, this week. Um, I deep dived into Gordon in disguise, which I guess is something else which will appear in Gordon in things. But I thought Gordon in disguise was something that was limited to 24 hours to hell and back special thing. It turns out he's doing it way more often than that. I caught a British episode of something on YouTube where Gordon samples cookery classes that are hosted by these kind of esteemed British chefs like Delia Smith, Aldo Zilli, I think his name is. And Gordon was obviously, you know, very sceptical about the, the value of those. And he wanted to go and test them. So he went undercover. Again, he's, you know, he's going big on the prosthetics, big on the latex. It's, you know, full Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> get up. And, but it's still unmistakably Gordon Ramsay. And how on earth none of them guess it straight straight away. I and mean, okay, one or two of them, do but one or two of them don't 
And at the end of it, they pretend like they have. Like, oh, I knew it was you all along, Gordon. Um, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. He goes to Aldo Zilli, who, um, who's an Italian, uh, Italian chef. He goes to his cookery class and uh, he's asking him, you know, he's asking the group of the, the class to make pasta and all that uh, and, and various other things. And, and Gordon's, you know, making, making absolutely incredible pasta in about 10 seconds while everyone else hasn't even kneaded their dough yet. And, uh, and he's put on the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard. And he's like, well, Mr. Zilli, I think I've finished here. And Aldo Zilli, Aldo Zilli comes over and is like, oh, yeah, you've done well there. See, this guy's done it. Um, there's no excuses for everyone else. And it's like, yeah, it's a notice. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, unbelievable. You, it's, it's really worth watching. But what I learned from that is that Gordon, uh, um, this Gordon in disguise um, appetite that he's got is uh, you know goes far, runs far deeper than just twenty four hours to Hallenberg. Well, see the origin story; it's just got more ridiculous over time, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before he does that, he gets coached by some acting teachers on how to drop his um, how to drop his mannerisms, this kind of thing. And 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 can you imagine Gordon dropping his, his mannerisms? Gordon is his mannerisms. Very strange. Speaking of strange things on Planet Gordon, I've um, come across something this week that's not entirely um, Ramsey related, but there is a link. He posted on his Instagram a um, video by this chef called Kobe. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy. Kobe is a one-year-old baby with his own Instagram account. Oh, oh, that's enough. Where he is filmed. (laughs) Sadly, there's more. Where he is filmed by his parents um, preparing meals as he just kind of, you know, chucks some water in a bowl and hits something with a spoon. And there's video after video after video of this one-year-old baby doing all this stuff and i came across it when gordon posted about it earlier on because this baby was watching a video of gordon ramsay and immediately i was disgusted but it gets worse than that on the instagram page there are paid partnerships with various food brands where this baby is there advertising things like peanut butter if you click through onto the website, there's merchandise for sale with his name on T-shirts and hoodies oh and stickers and things God. like this. And, you know, the only question I have, like, for the parents is, what the fuck are you doing? This is absolutely baffling to me. This is exploitation. They've got a one-year-old baby and they're not only exploiting him for Instagram engagement, for actual monetary gain. So so they're pimping out their baby, basically. Exactly that. And they're, well, they're not... That sounds, uh, you know, without context. <laughs> that might sound a little more um, depraved than it actually is. But... Well, maybe, but it's, it's, it's the same principle. And, you know, this is a real problem. There's so many parents on Instagram and other social media sites that are using their kids for likes. And it's just this... It depresses me and it makes me really uncomfortable. And it seems that despite the fact that everybody is doing it, 
nobody talks out about it because you can't because everybody you know is doing it as well and so you risk alienating all of these people and upsetting people because you can't offend people when it comes to their kids well i guess this is me speaking out but what harm is it doing though to the child i get what you're saying i'm minded to agree with you but the fact that it's taken away the child's autonomy in order to exploit them for monetary gain. But what if what if the parents were saving the income generated from this for that baby's college fund or or, or whatever it could be? Would you would you have a, would you be more um, forgiving to it then? No. Or do you feel or do you feel the fact that the baby doesn't have a, doesn't have a choice in the matter? That's the issue. The fact is that the baby doesn't have a choice in the matter. I think if my parents had done that, it's like whenever there's child actors in big blockbuster movies, they always turn out to be completely batshit. And it's because they've been put into these situations without their consent, where they're exposed to huge pressures and audiences that come when you're an international star. And I know that, you know, this little baby isn't exactly at that level but he's got something like two million instagram followers and Mm. i just think it's a desperate attempt by the parents to be popular and i think it's fucking pathetic and it makes me feel sad and depressed i think it's more depressing that gordon has endorsed this that's the problem here, right. Well, this is this is going to be my next point, which is this is. Uh, I mean, uh, where's the lamb sauce? Isn't a soapbox, you know? And uh, I would um, I would have stopped you by now if there was not some relevance to Gordon here. <laughs> um, but there is. He's endorsed this. This is a, and this is a real problem because his uh, his online following is 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 absolutely enormous, as we know. He's endorsed it, and, and you're right. It is a problem because he does similar things with his own kids, and that's not. Um, unproblematic you know most of his kids now are old enough that they've got to be honest like careers of their own but he's got a one-year-old as well who he posts a lot toddling along the beach and things like this and it it doesn't sit very well with me you know I, I agree but this is the way I mean when we when we were born our parents you know taking photos of them as you know digging out the disposable camera taking a photo get it developed three weeks later pinning it in a scrapbook and getting out every Christmas to embarrass to embarrass people with, and that's kind of it. But now, you know, um, ki- you know, kids of babies have had their photo taken and distributed and shared to, to thousands of people every day and you know every moment, every moment that happens. It's it's just it's just the way things are, I'm afraid, Sam. There's two things here. One is a rolling back of privacy and the need to be in the public eye, which comes as a kind of byproduct of, of social media. And that's fine because that's how people are living their lives. That's how people quantify their popularity. And so for a lot of people that's really important. But to then impose that on a one year old who can't decide whether they're involved or not that's where the issue lies to me and then to do it for your own material gain is abhorrent as far as i can see there you go ladies and gentlemen that's sam lee baker extraordinaire campaigner um (laughs) there's so so many strings to his bow yeah but i think i think that's enough of you (laughs) i think it is let's pick it up in part two when we're at the fennec arms in lancashire Welcome back to Where's the Lamb Source. We are in Lancashire at the Fennec Arms, um, which is 
the first pub that Gordon has visited in this series, believe it or not. Is it actually? Apparently. He hasn't been to a pub yet. Well, um, I actually have a friend who has been to the Fennec Arms and has provided an eyewitness account for us. Um, I, I think I mentioned it in the la- towards the end of our last episode. He didn't say anything revelationary, but he said it was. He went there. He went there years ago, just before um, the episode broadcast, and they went there as a kind of special occasion. So they got there, and it was middle of, middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, and he said he described it as sort of like an, an empty pub restaurant hybrid, and he ordered steak and peppercorn sauce. But he said the sauce was more like a custody vomit. Uh, yeah, and uh, he said he said the um, the meat was completely raw. So yeah, it's interesting to add that dimension to watching this episode. That is really good to know because often these episodes will air and then the owners will come out with some kind of um, rebuttal, saying that you know they were hard done by in the edit or it wasn't reflective of how the restaurant was actually run so it's good to know that your friend has picked up on basically the key points that gordon has flagged as issues in this in this episode indeed um so a bit of background quickly fennec arms is in lancashire it's by the side of a road you'd think there'd be lots of passing um traffic as it were and there is but none of it's coming into the restaurant it's owned by two people a guy called brian who i think is 62 and his his wife or partner elaine who say they've taken in the last 18 years they've taken two days off um Mm. they're working something like 100 hours each a week brian has had five heart attacks and had a quadruple heart bypass i think he said he had it 18 years ago which must have meant he was like in his early 40s these two are 250 grand in debt and three months away from homelessness it's not a particularly rosy picture is it no it's not it's not it doesn't look it doesn't look particularly rosy for them when Preparing for our podcast episodes, I you know I usually spend a bit of time sort of deciphering what the problems are, breaking them down into sections. Um, but here there is only one problem, isn't there? And that is Brian. And like you said, they're, they're both him and his wife. They've had the restaurant for thirty. Years, they've had the pub, sorry, for thirty years, and they're both working in excess of one hundred and twenty hours a week each. Well, there's only one hundred and sixty-two hours in a fucking week. <laughs> I mean, what are they, what, what are they doing? Are they peeling potatoes and polishing cutlery in their sleep or something? <laughs> We're thirteen episodes in now, and I think in that time we've had all sorts of owners, haven't we? We've had everyone from the kind of dangerously highly strung owners to the kind of more indifferent sugar daddy types who aren't really that interested. But Brian pisses me off more than any of them, and despite the fact on the surface you could, you know. It, it looks like it might be easier to sympathise with him because he's running a pub and, you know, pubs are approachable and accessible and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But actually, he's a bastard. This is the thing. He comes across as a bit of a doddery old twat, doesn't he? And so initially oh. you're like, well, OK, maybe we'll take pity on this guy. But I think you're right. I think that's all front. I don't think he's a particularly nice guy. He's so stuck in his ways 
it's unbelievable. And this is something that we see all the time on Kitchen Nightmares, but this guy takes mm. it to another level. And he's just a he's just a liability, really, isn't he? Yeah. He absolutely is. When we're first introduced to him, he proclaims, I'm not God, I'm not Jesus, but in my pub, my word is law. The hierarchy here is God, <laughs> Jesus, pub landlord. I mean, what's, what's, uh, what's his point here? I mean, you, you, you can't start a sentence with, I'm not God, but that's like, I'm not racist, but. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things wrong with him. Um, there really are, and you're right. He is the one issue throughout this whole episode. Um, and, and like you know, you can quickly, fairly quickly, get a measure of the sort of person that he is, can't you? And um, there are lots of there are lots of signs and indications, like the fact that he insists on calling specials on the menu additions. Did you notice that? And and it's the way Elaine, his uh, you know, the co-owner, she just sort of accepts that as in that's just the way that's just the way Brian wants to do things, so that's how they're done. And it's almost like, is he a bit of a bully as well, this guy? You know? There's one of two situations unfolding here. One is that Elaine is slightly afraid of Brian and lets him do whatever he wants because he's a bit of a bully. The other scenario is that she's completely complicit in everything that he's doing and is kind of enabling him to be that arrogant, delusional megalomaniac. I mean, it's probably a bit of both, isn't that? It's almost like he's... She's probably realised... She probably is, she's been with him long enough now or knows him well enough to know that there's absolutely nothing she can say that will change his mind about something. So we get into his kitchen fairly quickly and... I mean, his memory is shot. So he sets little digital timers for absolutely everything yeah. he's doing. So he's got all of these kind of stopwatches ticking down. If you walked in there without knowing it was a kitchen, you'd think you'd walked into the lair of an Al-Qaeda bomb maker. <laughs> <laughs> wow, with some of the sauces that he's got cooking on the stove. I mean, there's definitely, it, it looks like the, uh, the laboratory of a dirty bomb manufacturer <laughs> <laughs> some, some of those sources are definitely hazardous and i mean the kitchen is like one of these spot the hazard leaflets isn't it oh. there's like tangled wires bits God. of string holding pipes together there's kind of plugs overloaded oh my god the whole thing's an absolute disgrace and then it's all constructed by second-hand kitchen equipment that oh. brian's bought on ebay god and i love how when gordon is asking him about where he got all this stuff from and he you know he, he kind of proudly says oh I got it second hand on eBay and Gordon just Gordon's response is eBay <laughs> and Gordon loves doing this doesn't he just repeating the last word of what someone says just to underline the, the, the ridiculous aspect of what they've just said I don't know quite what the ridiculous aspect of that is but this is what I was thinking as I saw it, and Gordon would make you doubt your own first name if he repeated it to you like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, this is Gordon's role as like the ultimate gas lighter. Yeah. Is that is that what you call someone like this? You've been you've been gaslit by a gas lighter. 
Yeah, it's it's the concept of making someone think they're making the whole situation up or that they're insane when actually yeah. it's totally normal. I didn't see what was wrong with Brian buying his stuff from eBay. If that's saving him money no. when he's quarter of a million pounds in debt, that seems like quite a shrewd move to me. To be fair, he, he shouldn't be buying anything when he's quarter of a million pounds in debt. But, um, for example, he's got a coffee machine in there and uh, Gordon said, oh, that's, you know, he got an espresso machine. That's quite an expensive bit of kit. And Brian said, well, I got it, I got it second hand for 400 quid. You got it for 400 quid? From where? From eBay. eBay. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, really? He should have said, oh, 400 quid. You know, that's a good deal, mate. <laughs> but, but no, got it from eBay. So there's something wrong with him. He's got a screw loose. He's got a bit bonjour. <laughs> but to be fair, he really, he really has got a bit bonjour. One of Gordon's best descriptions of him comes in the very first line of this episode, which is... Um, he is the most stubborn fruitcake I've ever come across. <laughs> That's such a perfect description of this guy. I mean, he is such a fruitcake to the extent that <sighs> we soon learn about one of his um, preferences, shall we say, in the kitchen. And I think this is the reason he's got into the restaurant business is because of this um, interest of his, which is his crockery fetish. Oh, my he God. just loves plates. He's bought so many plates. He's got hundreds and hundreds of the things in all different shapes, massive squares, kind of irregular ovals, circles with weird speech bubble cutouts in the middle. There's just so many of them. Some of them are wrapped in cling film so that he doesn't get them dirty. But I saw that, that, that some of them are like hidden in hidden in sort of roof in like ceiling panels and and <laughs> in all sorts of places. You're like, what are you what are you doing? Yeah, very, very bizarre. And obviously it doesn't take long for Gordon to pick up on that. It makes Gordon seriously irate, this kind of thing. Because it's not just the fact that he's bought all these unnecessary items, it's the fact that he in in Brian's mind that he's got a vision for using them. Things like, you know, a square ceramic plate with three compartments on for Gordon it's just like what you run in a pub what what place does a plate like that have in a traditional pub and Gordon is completely right and this is one of those rare occasions in this episode where almost everything Gordon says I can I, I, I completely agree with him yeah I completely agree Gordon doesn't have any time for this sort of peripheral faff that Brian is so obsessed with he sets the table as if, um, as Gordon describes it, he's setting the table for the Queen. And it's just like oh, yeah. side yeah. plates and multiple knives and forks. And him and Elaine insist on pouring the wine for all of their customers. And like, I just can't think of anything worse when you're in a pub for a pub meal. Um, fussed and, over like that, yeah. Exactly. Especially by such a ghoul as fucking brian <laughs> well he's not doing it first is he to be fair he's he's in the kitchen with 20 timers and his revolting stock pot it's elaine who's fussing over the guests but either way it's like come on why are you trying so hard the delusions of grandeur they have for the place is is a is a is a key theme in their demise isn't it really yeah and i mean you're totally right the problem initially is brian in the kitchen and so ramsay spots that very quickly and he takes him out of the kitchen and puts him in the restaurant to be on the service side of things um which solves the problem of of brian in the kitchen but in doing so he creates another problem which is Brian being in the restaurant. Fucking hell. <laughs> the sight of that is absolutely ridiculous. If you were sitting at the bar with a drink and you saw him at the corner of your eye, 
hovering in the corner, you'd honestly think the place was haunted. <laughs> he look he looks like he looks like a head and a wire hanger and a shirt, a short sleeve <laughs> shirt and a tie. <laughs> wandering around you know he's like you know those big um inflatable flappy people that they have on petrol station forecourts <laughs> he's like one of those has deflated and bought a restaurant <laughs> i mean what watching him be a publican and a host is, is oh my god he go he, he um he approaches a big table <laughs> um, sort of in silence, kind of um, sort of go- ghosts them from behind, sort of takes them by surprise, and uh, he sort of whispers in one of their ear, "Have you decided what you want to order yet? Before we run out of what we've got left." <laughs> oh God! Wow! It's just wow. <laughs> I always feel a bit bad for people in this situation where Gordon Ramsay, who's you know Mister Charisma, Billy Big Bollocks, who could you could put him in a room with anyone and he'd be able to hold his own makes people who are maybe lacking in confidence take a front facing role and this one is particularly painful like poor brian he's been in the kitchen for the last 30 years collecting plates and collecting dust (laughs) (laughs) and to see him walking around the dining room trying to interact with customers but sam he's the fucking owner he should be able to do this yeah that's true but fear not, because Gordon's formulating a plan, which comes to fruition towards the end of the episode, and it is all aboard the gravy train as Gordon <laughs> launches the campaign for real gravy, which basically sees Gordon gleefully leading a march mm. through whatever the local yeah, town centre is, with Brian on a megaphone chanting things like bollocks to Bisto, bollocks to Maggie. <laughs> What decade is this guy living in? Yeah, Gordon's big idea is essentially made up of cheap black t-shirts with Campaign for Real Gravy printed on them um, and a a banner hung over the pub. I'm not entirely sure what this campaign is campaigning for. No, no, but like real gravy does exist, you know. It's like it's... this is it. It was just the, it was just the Fennec Arms that wasn't serving real gravy. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign can be limited to the kitchen of the Fennec Arms. It doesn't have to take to the streets, but they do as some kind of publicity stunt. In the same way that I don't know if you remember when Richard Branson launched Virgin Cola, he drove through Times Square in New York on a tank. Oh, it's like yeah, a yeah, yeah. slightly uh, budget okay. version of that but who knows no nobody might have nobody might have challenged them on that um, it looked like quite a receptive audience seeing as they did just go out on the streets handing out free yorkshire puddings and gravy which i mean if i came across that i'd be pretty happy as well i don't know i mean i don't know how he does this gordon i mean you must have the energy and the you know the energy and charisma to make something so arbitrary and dull as a campaign for real gravy drum up that kind of interest because you know by the end you know, it's it's like it was like the climate change marches in London last year. You know, <laughs> or, or or the anti or the anti Brexit marches. Yeah, Gordon turns into the Pied Piper of Lancashire, doesn't he? He's like <laughs> leading a crowd of people through the streets of whatever this town is. Also, as part of this campaign, Gordon shows the chefs in the kitchen, other than Brian, how to make proper gravy. 
and it looks absolutely awful. It looks like dishwater. This is so true. And I've seen this episode several times over the years. I won't reveal the exact amount because it's a bit embarrassing. But um, every time I see that, I'm like, it looks like some kind of bodily discharge. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. I hadn't thought about it that way. I just thought it maybe didn't look particularly tasty. But yeah, either way, not what you want. No, no. But apparently that's that's what the people of Lancashire want because they relaunch the Felicans based on the campaign for Royal Gravy. Um, the PR campaign has worked. They get fully booked. Um, they, uh, you know, they've got a new a new twenty five dish menu to go with the you know with the gravy and which uh, is much bigger than basically. Gordon's menus usually are in these situations. I wonder if he's had to. It is, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he's had to compromise a bit because of Brian's stubbornness. But pubs do have kind of, you know, quite sprawling menus, but everything's very simple, I suppose. That's the point. But Brian um, says the adrenaline is pounding through him. And he said he said that like it was a good thing. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure it is a good thing, Brian, um, given your medical history. Um <laughs> But his point was is that, you know, the atmosphere was was such a massive improvement and, you know, they were actually taking money and serving customers and all that kind of thing. Um, but it was getting him really excited and you're thinking, Christ, you know, not too much excitement mm. for Brian. You know, it would all be very, very sad if he pops his clogs. Well, that's exactly what Gordon says to him, isn't it? A bit later on as he comes yeah. back to the restaurant yeah. after a fairly successful relaunch. Uh, Gordon goes away as he always does, comes back to surprise them, um, is greeted with a fairly lukewarm reception by some of the bar staff who tell him that Brian's in the kitchen, which he's obviously (laughs) distraught about. So he goes in the kitchen, finds Brian in there. Brian claims he's just in there while they're trying to hire a new member of staff and how they've changed a few things to make them a bit fancy. He is lying through his teeth. Definitely. And Gordon says to him and Elaine, he says, if I come back and find out that you've popped your clogs working in there on the stove, I will be fucking furious. The the guy has got a fucking death wish. Why would he go? Why would he? You might as well put Elaine in the kitchen. It's a safer and better thing to do than putting him. Why is she letting him in there? I mean, it's insane. I know, but if he dies in there, it's assisted suicide, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can we can we just recap on the fact this bloke has had five heart attacks? F- five heart attacks. I can report because I was I was quite nervous watching this episode about what our conversation towards the end would be when we um, look into what happened after the episode yeah. was filmed. Well, I, I, kind of, I kind of accepted what I thought would be the outcome of this, but maybe I could be wrong. Brian is still alive. Get out. Get out. <laughs> However, the management of the Fennec Arms has changed and Brian and Elaine now run a pub um, not far away called The Ship Inn, which actually has some decent reviews. Um, <laughs> I went on their website... And they've got quite an interesting backstory on the about page, which includes the line, our story starts with a very special friendship with Prince Andrew. Oh my God. They put that on their website. (laughs) And it's still on there. 
you might want to take that down. Jesus Christ. <laughs> people might find that unbecoming. Yeah, people might find people might find going going anywhere associated with Prince Andrew slightly unappealing because not that you're not unappealing yourself, Brian, but you know if you if you want to make it any more unappealing, yeah, connect yourself with a well-known paedophile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, allegedly. So that's there. And then you'll also remember the Real Gravy campaign website that Brian set up, which um, at one point he proudly pointed out to Gordon was getting 35,000 unique visitors a month or something like that. How on earth is he getting 35,000 visitors a month and we are not getting 35,000 listeners for our podcast? It's insane. There's no justice in this world. No, I agree with that. Um, well, you'll be pleased to know that the domain name realgravy.com is still up and running. <laughs> You're joking. But it's now a CBD product website. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's all like various cannabis <laughs> goods. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's retired by selling that, <laughs> that domain. Well, maybe that's how he's still alive using those products. Oh yeah. Well, that's a that's a very very amusing and very surprising collection of outcomes <laughs> <laughs> involving CBD oil and Prince Andrew. Gordon actually revisited the Fennec Arms again. And Gordon sees Brian in the kitchen. He says to him, "You look dreadful. You look absolutely fucked." He says to him. Um, which is, you know, you know, it's always, uh, it's always nice to hear uh, when you haven't seen someone for a while. Um, <laughs> and then when he looks at the menu, he says, "Oh God, the dishes, are, these dishes are as old and crusty as Brian." <laughs> <laughs> old and crusty. I mean, it's, that is Brian all over, isn't it? Jesus. Um, yeah. Um, and that leads me to my insult of the week. Um, and there's quite a few. There's quite a few nominations here, but the top two for me would be describing Brian as a cantankerous old bat. <laughs> That's what I had. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's just brilliant. It's just so poetic and apt for him. Yeah, and I like it because it doesn't fall back on Gordon's usual tactic of just making it as obscene as possible. Yeah. It's quite restrained. Yeah, it's like if you would ask like a you know a reasonably intelligent artistic toddler to draw a cantankerous old bat she'd end up drawing brian <laughs> uh, but i've got a second no- i've got a second nomination as well uh, and that's when he tells brian that it will smash his plates over his fucking head if he undermines him again which i thought was so true and i think he deserved it and this underpinned i think gordon's abra- abrasiveness in this episode throughout um Brian totally deserved to be on the end of it the whole time. And not just my own gratification as a viewer here, but he bloody deserved it the whole time. And I'd love to have seen Gordon smash one of those stupid plates over his head. I mean, not that he needs um, any more medical issues. <laughs> so the last thing, last thing Brian needs is a sudden shot. I mean, Gordon's <laughs> presence alone is, you know, dangerous enough. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You're totally right. He kind of acted the silly old bugger, didn't he, throughout. But I think there's something a little bit more sinister underneath all of that. Um, I had absolutely no sympathy for him 
whatsoever as Gordon was laying into him. And do you know what? Actually, I think Gordon went quite easy on him. I think he did feel sorry for him. So he resorted to calling him a cantankerous old bat rather than a clueless fucker or something like he would normally call people. Yeah, he does. In the revisited episodes, uh, the prawn cocktail, which Gordon thinks is, you know, a pub classic and deserves its place on the menu to be untampered with. Brian is now serving it on a scallop shell. And um, Gordon's like, why have you done that? Prawns do not live in scallop shells. And Brian replies to him, yes, Gordon, but they don't live in glasses either. And it's, uh, it's like, oh, my so annoying. God, you just don't get, he thinks he's being so clever yeah. as well. And he says, he, he says, oh, why, why are you serving them in scallop shells? And Brian's like, this is what the customers want. They've told us they want the wow factor back. It's like, no, they haven't. Clearly one old fucking smelly bugger in the corner has told you. Um, they like that, you know. They would, they would like to see a prawn cocktail in a scallop shell. That'd be quite, that'd be quite fun. And he thinks that's the way, uh, it, that's, that's, that's the way it should be on the menu. And it's just like, oh my god, he's doing everything he can to piss off Gordon without meaning to piss off Gordon. If you know what I mean. But it's like so many of these restaurant owners we see on Kitchen Nightmares, they bring in Gordon. They've obviously asked for his help. So they're obviously aware that there's some kind of problem. Yes, usually the customer's always right. But Gordon Ramsay is always right more. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know where we are next week? I'd love to. We are in Kings Lynn, uh, a restaurant called Rococo. And I have been to Kings Lynn, actually. Yeah. But anyway, that, that's where we are. Before then, as always, we're on Instagram. And please do feel free to submit your own hashtag Gordon in or <laughs> on things entries. Um, there's a lot out there and we'd like to see them. Um, but yeah, we'll see you in Kings Lynn at Rococo. Until then. Don't have nightmares. Mm.